Welcome everybody to Brine Time. My name is Jake, and we have a special co-host today. Uh, it is not Jeremiah Coughlin. He has walked off into the woods, and we have not heard from him. So, we brought in somebody, you know, even better. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to hear and hear full of that immediately. We have the one and only Joe Simons stepping in for Jeremiah Coughlin. Thanks so much for doing this. It's an honor to be here. I'm going to try to fill Jeremiah's... Does he have big feet, Jeremiah? Wide. Why? I'm going to fill his wide, wide shoes. Wide clown <laughs> shoes, yes. Uh, Joe Simons was a guest uh, a few weeks ago, but Joe Simons is best known in the Pacific Northwest as one of the three co-hosts of the Blazers Outsiders, and uh, with our buddy Shane Brendan, who is a funny stand-up comedian. So, yeah, I am actually pleased I got the nod over Shane, or was he just busy? You're was I the second ask? No, 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 not okay. at all. I immediately was like Joe Simons. No, I didn't even think of Shane. I appreciate that. I run that. another podcast with Shane. I don't need double Shane in my life. That's a lot of Shane in your life. That's a lot of Shane <laughs> in your life, yes. And, you know, you're also, you're the mayor of Lentz. You're Mr. Pickle. So, like, when I, I wasn't just like, oh, Shane, you know, I'm like, no, I want somebody who knows the team, who knows the game, and uh, you're the guy. Right. I mean, I'm wearing a pickle shirt today. Wearing a pickle just because shirt. It's in the general rotation. Yes. It's not like this is anything special. I wear pickles shirts you wear all pickles the time. Gear. Four years in, season ticket holder, front row, we're right there. I mean, we love it, man. It's a 15-minute walk from our house. Yeah. The attendance at games this year. And I got to give you credit early on. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to blow smoke the whole pod, but I got to give you credit for this. I think it was Pickle Fest a couple weeks ago. Yes. You successfully started a wave. Yes. The likes of which have never been replicated I don't, at Walker Stadium. I know, right? Well, it was just like, okay, this is one of the few opportunities, like each berm packed to the brim. So there was that consistent human flesh, touching flesh, brah, and we got it. I think the consistent blood alcohol level being yes. raised that night probably Also helped. a big, probably much bigger, actually. A little bit, too, but it was awesome. I yeah. mean, the atmosphere at some of these games this year have just been Yeah. Pickle Fest, also, the band Speed Your Tees threw out the pitch, and uh, th so there's four band members, so they each threw their own, and boy, they look like a band throwing out a first pitch. <laughs> it was like, it was like four art school students who had maybe never thrown a baseball before. Who right now, because you and Jeremiah have been to almost all the games, if not all of them combined, yeah. who's had the best first pitch? Well, I mean, it's kind of unfair. There's this one guy, and I'm forgetting his name now, but he was like a, a Beaver alum baseball player. Okay. So he, like, nailed it. But uh, let's see. There's actually been – okay, so, like, uh, there's, like, like Miss I – think, I think it was Miss Portland. She's come out a few times. She's sung the national anthem, and – I don't know if it's Miss Poor. Like, there's so many <laughs> right. sashes. It's like Pageants. she's either Miss Portland or Miss Oregon or Miss Multnomah County or whatever. <laughs> but she brought the heat. She brought the heat and like in like a dress. Like, so I was just mm. like, dude, props for you. Like, you're looking good and you did it. You and know? dealing. I uh, bounced mine last year. I was gonna ask if you guys threw. So one. we did it one of the final games of the season and. Previously, we had done a, a segment on the news, and I, me and Jeremiah were kind of practicing, and I like dealt it. Like I got it right. My arm came down. I let because you have to adjust for being on the mound. Yeah, it's not like pitching from flat. So I was like, all right, I got to get used to it. And I, I did it. And Jeremiah, okay, the compliment you get from your catcher, he's like, wow, that kind of hurt. And I was like, really? I can throw that fast? <laughs> you know, you're yeah. like, oh, this is cool. Feels good. And then when you get around all those people, you're like, I don't want to sail it. Like that's my for some reason. Going low or going like not far enough didn't even occur to me. Mm. I was just like, I don't want to throw it over his head. And so I really went light and it kind of bounced like right before home plate. And the, the guy did me solid and like picked it. <laughs> but I, Jeremiah has really never let me live that down. See, I would say that the bouncing 
no offense, is worse than sailing because it implies that maybe this person doesn't know how to throw a thing. No, it's... As opposed to if you're sailing it, then it's like, oh, well, this guy's just got too much power. I just feel like the sail is so visible. Mm. Like, it goes to the backstop. You're just... Everybody's like, whoa. Because the bounce, people are like, oh, it was low, but, like, it didn't bounce, like, 20 feet before. You know, it bounced, like, right at the plate. one hopper. Yeah. So, not a good pitch. I mean, it's a ball. I pitched a ball, but, you know... Very cool. And um, so, yeah. So our buddy Jeremiah, he's not in the woods. He's actually at Cooperstown. As we are recording this, I believe the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame induction ceremony is happening right now. And he is there. And he has been, you know, sending me all these pics of the Baseball Hall of Fame Museum and this old bookstore that has a bunch of, like, these old scorecards and stuff. And Seems like a fun time. Yeah, so who's getting in? It's uh, Barry Bonds, Pete Rose. Yeah, Shoeless Joe is getting <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> a post. Yeah, yeah, he's coming back. Uh, yeah, those three. Actually, that's it. What a class. What a class. Mm. What a class. <laughs> yeah. No, the... So... Uh, Edgar? Edgar is. The only two I know are Edgar and uh, Rivera. Who else and, do you need? Yeah. That's great. One can hit, one can throw, and that's that's the baseball <laughs> team. So I didn't look at the other. I think there's six this year, but yeah, uh, seems for. I mean, Jeremiah is obviously like a baseball nut, so that his favorite player that he gets to go see is pretty special for him. So I'm glad that he's doing it. Yeah, it's rad. I mean, for a lot of people around here, you know, Portland doesn't have a major league baseball team, so yeah. a lot of people are Mariners fans around here, and a lot of people Edgar's their favorite player. So I think that's cool for a lot of people around here that he's getting in. Yeah, so we're stoked. So happy to. Happy to have him out there reporting back from Cooperstown. And uh, let's just get right into the pickle report. So the pickles, as Joe, uh, I don't know if we said this on air or off air, but basically they're picking up steam a little bit. Uh, they have they just recently swept the Bellingham Bells. Were you at any of those games? Did I see you at that game or did I see you previous? You saw me previous. Yeah, I'm, it's, I've met, I was... Like a week ago, I was there from I was there on a Sunday. We they had Monday off, and then I was there Tuesday through Sunday again. So I had seven games in eight days. Wow! Uh, it was a lot of pickles. So like wherever I saw you, I remember I saw Simon's, but I was just like I don't know what game that I was yeah. so delirious. I was in delirium of pickle after it was insane. Yeah, the one the one game I had tickets to this week because we have half season package. Yeah, gave over to Shane. Apparently yes, he had a great time. He did well. He was he <laughs> Shane was alone. And he yeah. was like, I don't know, man. These people are looking at me. Because I, I th- he was like, they think that I don't belong here. I was like, dude, they're handing out gummy worms. He just gets nervous, I think. Which is so weird because, like, he it never occurs to him, like, oh, I'm a professional stand-up comedian and I host a TV show. Yeah, it's, Maybe people recognize me from right, those things. It's you like, know, and they're he, judging me. Right. He gets paranoid. And so I brought him up to the party deck. I think what also he knew he knows I have access to free beer on the party deck and he was just like, dude, I don't feel comfortable down here. And so I was like, come on up. And then I sat him in a seat and he got a hot dog and a pretzel and he went to the cooler a number of times to get the free beer that the owner's box is allowed. And uh, then all of a sudden the game was great and he felt completely comfortable. So he was out there. We had a good time. But yeah, so game one of that series, uh, the Pickles won five to one. Uh Manzardo had three RBIs in that. He Go is Cougs. playing very well. Go Cougs. Game two, which... Uh, so game two and game three were uh, huge because game three, or game two, they won seven to three, but Brad McVeigh had 10 strikeouts on his own and the pickle staff had 18 total, which I would I don't know if that... That has to be up there for like West Coast League strikeouts by a by a pitching staff in one game. 18 strikeouts is insane. Yeah, I mean, there's only 27 outs in I a know. game. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, it was nuts, and McVeigh was absolutely dealing. He he had all his college uh, coach, he's a pilot, and he had all his like college coaches out there who were kind of watching him, so they, usually the Pickles pitching staff is kind of known for letting their pitchers just do three innings, no matter if they're, like, shut out or not, they're because they save their arms, but they let McVeigh go, like, five for that, got ten strikeouts. Coaches were talking to him. His parents were it. So it was a big game for him. Very excited for him. And eighteen on the night was insane. They almost ran out of K's out there. And the game three was the most exciting team wise because it was a back and forth. It was probably like one of the best pickles games I had seen. The pickles were down by by two or three. They added five in the bottom of the eighth to go up 14-12. Closer comes in, gives up a walk, but then shuts it down. 
So 1412, you said was that 1412 was the Ooh. final, and it was not extra innings. It was just wow. Yeah, it was. So that was cool. So that completed the sweep. Pickles, I'm not sure if they have swept a team this year in a series. So that was very cool. And then as of this recording, they are one and one against the Ridgefield Raptors right across the river. So game three is today, Sunday. We'll see if they pull out the series win there. And, uh, you know, they are, I believe I looked today, they are one game behind Corvallis for that second play, like playoffs are divided. If you win your division first or second, you automatically get in. I, I, I guess I got to look at the rule book, but if Corvallis wins it again, I imagine the second place team also gets a playoff berth, but maybe then it becomes total wins overall. Or uh, We'll have to look at that and update you guys next time. And but, maybe it's like the best record of the second place team in either half of the season yeah. would be the team that plays Corvallis. Yeah, and the Pickles kind of struggled the first half, so they didn't. So if it's that way, they might not make it. But if it's just winner in the second, uh, they're right now they're just... And they have a, a big series against Corvallis next week, so that could obviously plummet them because uh, they got swept last time or, or rise them up. I give you guys a lot of credit because early on in the season, you guys, when the Pickles were struggling, you yeah. guys were saying, okay, second half, wait, they're going to get these players. You got this guy coming in from the SEC and it has come to fruition. Yes. You guys know your West Coast League baseball. We do. No, they've added um, the first half of the season, they were really missing power bats. Last year with Xander and Coop and a couple other guys, they had a couple, three guys and maybe four who, you know, you were not surprised if they hit a homer or got an extra base hit. The first half, it was, we weren't hardly hitting the ball at all, and we definitely were not hitting for power. And then now they've added a couple bats, and there are those guys again who can hit it out of the park or bring some runs home with extra base hits. So that is, I mean, that's just night and day. It's such a different ball game out there now because their pitching is starting to line up and. They just have these guys, you're like, oh, sweet, more and more homers. And that's just, you know, you're going to win more games if you do that. It's it's simple. Yeah. So excited for that. So that was the Pickle Report. And, uh, you know, go Pickles. Go Picks. You might be in trouble. It is that time that we announce the Pickle of the Week. Joe, you ready? Do you guys do a drum roll or is this? You want to do a drum roll? Is it going to pick it up, Randall? And the pickle of the week is Brad McVeigh. We had hinted at it earlier, but you cannot let a man on your staff throw 10 strikeouts in a game and not give him pickle of the week. I just, I couldn't do it. That's got to be a pickles record. Did they say it was a pickles record? Well, you know, this is low collegiate level (laughs) baseball, so I don't know how deep the record books are. Sure. Uh, Jeremiah's in Cooperstown. I don't know how detailed we get out with the West Coast League Collegiate Woodback, but I let's just call it a record. <laughs> Who's going to stop McVay, us? Who's going to stop Wait, us? Go, dude. Brad. <laughs> I mean, just the way the pickles do it with, like we were saying, three innings, it almost has to be close to a record because a lot of these guys are not pitching that deep. Like he he did pitched, I think, complete five innings, so they're not pitching that long. I mean, I even if he, they struck out the side three times, it's only nine. Yeah. So. I mean, unless someone is having this sort of game or you literally have a no-hitter or perfect game, yeah. they're going to pull you. But yeah. it sounds like he was dealing to the point where we got to give him an extra inning. <laughs> and they probably great. are a little more wary of wins-losses now. Sure. They probably are like, okay, like these wins really start to count. And, like, you know, because, like, when they – and that 14-12 win, when they look like they're kind of going to lose, I was like, man, this one game would have really been nice because that's a big win in the standings, and it's a big loss in the standings, really. So so I, I'm sure the coaching staff is a little more like, all right, well, we could really – like, if this guy's doing this well, we really can't – I mean, I don't know. So Brad McVeigh, tip of the cat to you, bud. Uh, 3-2 record this year with a 2.4 ERA, 32 strikeouts with only 15 walks. Uh, I, I I don't know if this is true, but there was a – I'm just – it seems like he's played in less games than he did last year, so I don't know if they were resting him mm. a bit longer, and maybe that might go into why he got to pitch. Because, you know, they've played – at this point, there's only eight home games left, so that means there's about eight roads. So they've played most of their schedule. It seems odd that he's only – I saw he's only appeared in six games, which is pretty low. Yeah. that, that Especially – so yeah, so, especially if you have the ability to have ten strikeouts in a game, yeah, you think you want him out there more. Exactly. So I don't know if he was maybe dealing with injuries. I uh, maybe I'll ask him next time I see him at the ballpark. But I was kind of noticing. I was like, I haven't seen McVeigh a lot. Uh, so and a lot of that stuff could be, you know, we talk about a lot the 
pitch count and probably the length of time they're allowed to be in a game. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of that's predicated on how long they pitched during their college season. If they had like a longer season or their team was successful or yeah. he was worked a lot. And in then, fact, it's the opposite with McVay. He redshirted this year. Did he really? He oh, redshirted his sophomore year. He did not. Re- he pitched as a freshman. But so I'm wondering if he might have sure. had like some type of uh, shoulder or arm stuff that because I know he redshirted this year. Um, but if you're striking out people at this rate, like you got to be getting looked at. I mean, I don't know. I That's think. The, those are numbers. That, I mean, these are you're striking out other D1 college players, and some of these guys have a chance to get drafted. So these aren't chumps. No, it's it, it's it's a very impressive performance. And uh, if it is a situation where he's rehabbing himself back for next college season. I bet his coaches are pretty happy. Yeah, and maybe that's why his coaches were out there because the whole staff was out there. I saw him talking to one of his. It was funny. He was talking to his coach. His coach was giving him like, "Oh, like, do you tell any of these two like eight year olds?" Was like, "Hey, hey," like trying to get an autograph from him, and he just was just giving them the cold shoulders. Like, dude, I got a future here. This is what I'll sign the autograph after this. And McVeigh is honestly one of the nicest guys. His mom. uh his mom and dad are at almost every because they're local mm. and they even travel. Like we saw them last year at the Lefties game up in Port Angeles. We met them there. So just a, like a great family. Love the McVeighs. And uh, yeah, McVeigh, tip the cap. And uh, we're going to do a first historic ever here on Brian Time. Oh. And uh, it's not a good first, <laughs> but it is a first. And I'm going to own up to it. You know, we all make mistakes. You know, there's fielding errors, you swing at pitches that you shouldn't. And sometimes, for Pickle of the Week, you just forget a pickle. And that's what I've done. I've forgotten. Really, I've forgotten it tw- two, two weeks in a row. But we doubled up on an uh, a, up same pickle. And we just can't do that three weeks in a row. So, there is no Pickle of the Week. Why don't we just talk about our favorite pickle? How about that? You have a favorite pickle? Are you a sweet or a sour guy? I'm, I'm a sour guy, but I like to pretend I'm a sweet guy. Because... People dump on the sweet pickles so much, and I don't they understand do. why. It's it's fine, it's and it's also good. it's also it's just a different flavor, right? Like, like it's not it's just different. Can't I enjoy Cool Ranch Doritos without like crapping all over nacho cheese Doritos? No, you can. I, you can I, totally do whatever you want. Exactly. Just leave the sweet pickle alone. That being said, yeah, I, I prefer the sour pickle. I've, I've <laughs> but you're you know you know what you like. You're a man who knows what he likes, but also. You don't hate on what other people like. I will say, to bring it back to the actual Portland pickles, the yes. decision to go from the pickle chip fried to the spear fried, wow. Whoever made that decision is not getting paid enough. Outstanding. Outstanding the, decision. The fried spear is just delicious because it affords you more opportunity for crunch, whereas the chip, it's all very concentrated. Yes. I get like three crunchy bites with the spear. You do. Outstanding work. Wow. See, okay, I forgot the pickle, but we got a compliment for pickle, fried pickles out here. So, you know, I'm going to say, I feel like Jeremiah's going to yell at me about this. He will. So I'm putting it down in public that for all of you listeners, I've already, by the time you hear this, I've already gotten yelled at by Jeremiah. But what are we going to do? You know, we make mistakes. I drove him to the airport. Uh, to go fly out to Cooperstown. So, you know, give look, a little, get a little. Look at you giving people rides places in your vehicle. In my new 1996 <laughs> Nissan truck. Uh, yeah. So, you know, what I was going to bring mm. were these pickle-flavored seeds. Yeah, describe what we don't have in front of us. Right? Uh, well, they've been sitting in my truck for about a month at this point. There's some <laughs> weird, I, I don't know what it is because I don't drink soda really, but there's some very weird sticky substance on the outside of the package. Uh, so I was, oh, yeah. Well, these are seeds, boys. These are, you know, they're dirty. They're, I don't know what type of pickle flavoring was going to be on them, but they were. Going to be pickle flavored seeds. To guess, I would say single A, no more than a double A. I can't imagine we would have been like, "Wow, great pickle flavor!" Like you're describing a seed that was germinated in that bag. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, there's growing pickles in that bag now. There's actually brine. Is, so yeah. Is this a situation where it's like the husband who like folds laundry incorrectly, and the wife gets so frustrated that she just folds all the laundry? Are you doing such a bad job bringing the pickles <laughs> so that Jeremiah will be in charge of it from now on? And yes. And and Randall, yes. I mean, Jeremiah is a type A guy, and he get when he wants something done, he gets it done. Now, I'm probably not 
Really? Like, I'm just like, I don't think I'm that kind of person. Like, I get stuff done. But the way you answer that, I'm probably not. I'm like, not. If, like, that I'm was not. a not yeah. type of answer. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, so when he, like, he's like, dude, we're going to get this done. He's more of that, and I'm not. So, you know, I forget. And, you know, I'm not even sorry about it, honestly. I'm not sorry, you know. We're, you worked your way all the way through it. I know, yeah. <laughs> I've hit five stages of grief in a matter of uh, 35 seconds. So I'm not sorry about it. I've accepted what it is. And, uh, you know, here we are. So we're, we did it. Tip of the cap to me, you know. Brad McVeigh can throw strikeouts, but not everybody can forget things, okay? McVeigh. So uh, that's Pickle of the Week. Go Pickles. We love you. Give it up for Ron the K-Man out there. Here's Raptors third baseman, number six, Cameron Rapetti. All right, we're going to do a special little segment just because our buddy Jeremiah is in Cooperstown and currently at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Joe Simons has been there. Mm. Uh, He's from the East Coast, so we just wanted to ask him, you've been to the museum? I have. Or you've been to you've been to Cooperstown. Yeah. So uh, my family moved from Connecticut to Oregon when I was five. So I'm a Northwesterner, but we make an annual trip back to Connecticut in the Northeast. And in one of those, I think I was probably like eleven or twelve. We decided to jet up to Cooperstown, and I remember it being really cool. And there were obviously all these vendors selling all types of stuff, <laughs> autographs, fake. 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 Uh, oh, did you get? Oh. So okay. <laughs> well, okay. I will tell you this. Oh, buddy. I have a baseball that says Stan Musial on it on my desk at home, and I got it 20 years ago with a alleged certificate of authenticity. Whatever Wait, that what, actually where, means. Okay, where were they? You go up to this guy. Where was he? Was this like the tamale ladies in Portland <laughs> who go tamales, tamale, tamale? <laughs> I mean, it's not that far off. Autograph, like, autograph, autograph. <laughs> <laughs> From what I remember, there's like all these little booths and vendors with these guys, and they have memorabilia, autographs. This was an autograph guy. So he has, if you can imagine, it's like a big uh, see-through case of baseballs with autographs on them, and there are prices, and so... I was 12 and I had saved some money knowing I wanted to buy something like this. Wow, an autographed baseball for $1.50. It must be real. <laughs> so I will tell you, the price they sold it at was what was convincing. Because they had like a Ken Griffey at like 500 mm-hmm. and they would notch its weight. Like let's say Paul O'Neill was like a buck fifty, And then Stan Musial was like $75. Why did you choose him? Because he's a Hall of Famer. That was That's basically it? <laughs> he, he was the cheapest Hall of Famer that I knew, which is why I chose it. Okay. And I'm thinking in my life. Were you a fan of his? Are you just a. No, because I was 12 years old and I thought, okay, this is probably going to appreciate over time. Let me get a good investment. Wow, you're a little investor, huh? (laughs) I was. Jeez. You are from Connecticut. Well, so. (laughs) (laughs) I was so into stats and that sort of thing. So I knew that he had a lot of records. Like, I think he still has maybe the most doubles of all time. Okay. Like that. So I picked Stan Musial. I got the certificate of authenticity. But I look at that ball almost every day and think to myself, is this thing real? So your your family was there with you? Your my, parents? My dad and my brother, my older brother. Did your dad give an indication of like, hey son, I think this is like what do you what did you remember your dad or your brother being like, I don't know, Joe, this I think this it was, is a back alley. Like, what is this guy selling? Like where I was a stubborn kid, so okay. I probably think that I had insisted that I was going to do this. And even if they tried to dissuade me, they're probably like, look, Joe is gonna either resent us for buying this baseball or he's gonna find out the hard way this is a fake. And they chose the latter. Which I don't think was a bad decision. I just have the scene from Sandlot where they write Babe Ruth's <laughs> name on the ball, so Dennis Leary doesn't realize it's missing until they get the real one back. Dennis knew. I I don't. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So that's the Cooperstown story. Twelve-year-old Joe Simon's probably getting taken hosed. by a vendor. You got hosed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good story. That's a that's a seventy-five dollars story. Exactly that's right. A, you know. And I was twelve. What was I going to do with seventy-five dollars anyway? I don't know, take a chick out on a date or like... <laughs> at 12? At tw- ah, that's wow. early. I, I mean, don't know how these Connecticut boys roll, man. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are up to. Um, okay, that's cool. Um, all right, well, I just want to... let's Because I, I didn't actually know a lot about... I mean, I knew that's where the Hall of Fame was. But, like, for example, Cooperstown is not owned or affiliated with the MLB. It's a private museum. Like, it's not... So they do this thing, but it's not... 
it's not the MLB's museum or has anything to do with the MLB. It's just this is who does it, you know? Sure, because I think you have a lot of Negro League stars and yeah. um, probably the uh, whatever the league was called from a league of their own, the Professional Women's Baseball League or right. whatever. So it was established in 1936, and it was kind of funny. It was kind of like a a business forward guy. So this town, Cooperstown, had been kind of devastated by the Depression. He was like, dude, we need some tourists. So he started the Baseball Hall of Fame Museum. Like he just what an was, idea. You know what I'm saying? Like that's he's just like, what'll get people to Cooperstown? <laughs> hey, the Baseball Hall of Fame will. So he did that. Uh, there is an erroneous claim that Civil War hero Abner Doubleday invented baseball in Cooperstown. <laughs> so that's not real. He didn't invent baseball there, and that's not why the museum is there, if anybody is mm. doing that. Um, and then, okay, there was one other thing that actually portrayed, like, kind of relates to your story, I believe, because there was something... Um, unauthorized sale of items in collections. So this isn't mm. yours, but a controversy erupted in 1982 when it emerged that some historic items given to the hall had been sold on the collectibles market. <laughs> Maybe it was a stand. <laughs> it was a stand ball. Who knows? The items had been lent to the baseball commissioner's office, gotten mixed up with other property owned by the commissioner's office and employees of the office, and moved to a garage. And uh, they sold it um, when he, this one guy was in financial trouble. So there's some controversy. And I don't know if it it said it negatively damaged the Hall of Fame's reputation and more difficult for it to solicit donations. So that would be an awesome like interview or just a guy maybe to have a beer with. Yeah, someone whose job is to authenticate memorabilia and autographs. Like it is weird, right? How do you go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, how do you, yeah like how do you trace it to make sure that that ball touched this like this guy actually did it? I mean, it, like the the certificate. These days, Photoshop, I mean, it just seems so easy to right. make up, especially for a young upstart like your 12-year-old Impressionable up here. Joe Simons. Hey, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's really cool. I've, uh, I'd love to go out there. I'd love to go to the basketball one. I'm more of a basketball hoops head in Springfield, so I'd like to see that. But Naismith, yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. But very cool stuff. Cooperstown, go there if you get a chance. Buy a, buy a ball. Watch Take, out for Sam Musial. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's a million of those balls uh, in circulation in various thirty something offices today. <laughs> I look at that every day and realize I got had. Um, but yeah, so hopefully Jeremiah has fun. We'll probably talk about it next week when he's back here in Portland. And uh, go pickles. Time now for Inside the Jar, where uh, we interview someone from Pickle Nation. Jeremiah was lucky enough to sit down with Judah Newby out at Walker Stadium. I was not there for this interview, but they had a great chat. I want to thank Judah Newby for sitting down with him and also for being the voice of every Pickles broadcast on Facebook Live. Hope you guys enjoy. That was nice. All right, we're here on the party deck. Judah Newby, the voice of the Portland Pickles Facebook feed? That's right. They don't do it on the radio anymore. No more radio. No more radio. Just Facebook feed. Yep. And they can listen on that, and that's they, that's it. That's it, man. That's well, interesting because there's a listen live button on the. <clears throat> there's a listen live. You know, we uh, we we have an audio stream for those that oh, okay. are able to watch. Okay, so there's so an audio stream. Both. Yeah, Great. we provide both, but it's just uh, not on an AM radio channel anymore. Not not on terrestrial radio anymore. So I'm not on after. Uh, Michael Medved and all that. That's right. That, that I remember that. that. I was on uh, last year. I remember that from last year. So speaking of last year, we want to talk a little bit. Uh, what do you, what do you think you see between this year and last year, pickles wise, baseball wise? How are they looking? What do you think? What are the differences? Give me some. Give me two differences and two similarities. Well. I would say that the differences would be the uh, the team was was probably so they were so strong pitching last year, so incredibly strong. Like if you had to, you know, describe it as being like good or excellent or elite. Last year the pickles were elite pitching, and it wasn't just one or two arms; it was like six or seven arms that were simply outstanding. Whether it was um, 
you know, uh, Brad McVeigh, who was an all-star last year, Michael Newstrom, who was an all-star last year, even Connor Pellerin, who was an all-star last year. Yeah. Both McVeigh and Newstrom came back, but under different circumstances, and they're just a little different players a yeah. year later. This year, the, the depth of the elite pitching isn't quite what it was last year, but it's still really damn good. So that, that that's the first thing. The second thing would be just hitting depth, and I think the coaches would, would tell you that as well, um, that they got a lot of guys that profiled as pretty good hitters but started slow yeah. all at the same time. And I think that's what manifested in the slow start in the first half of the season. Now you're seeing a lot of those same guys warm up a little bit. Now that they got their reps underneath them, you also have seen a few guys added to the roster as well. Yeah, like they Thomas made some Radinsky. mid-season pickups. A little mid-season, little trade deadline. That guy looks like a man. Freaking Radinsky, dude. He's a he's a man. That's a big dude. And we're we're talking after uh, he got tossed tonight. But I wouldn't want to uh, be on the wrong side of the Radinsky wrath. I'll yeah. Put it that way. But guys like him, Delorfus is back. That yeah. matters. It's a big deal. So I actually, you know, the similarities from this year's team to last year's team are a little more evident as we talk right now than yes. they were at this time two weeks ago. Agreed. Um, you're actually starting to see shades of 2018 in 2019, and that's really exciting because you're talking about a team last year that won 37 games. Calling them the old new look pickles. That's beautiful. That's what I've, I've coined them. They yeah. are the old new look pickles. And, and I and, like it. And not a moment too soon, right? Yeah. You, you need to make well, a second half push. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. They're doing great. Yeah. It's been fun to watch, that's for sure. Yeah. So... You know, we uh, we talk a little bit X's and O's with you. I don't know. Do they say X's and O's in baseball? Balls and balls strikes. Balls and strikes, yeah. I call it balls and strikes, I guess. Yeah. How are things going up in the booth for you? You got. <laughs> it seems like you got more people around you up there. It's a little bit more, yeah. uh, I don't know, produced, I guess. Sure. So yeah. there's, there's a little bit more uh, effort yeah. in the production. Yeah. It's a little higher production value. Yeah. Do you notice that? Do you feel that? Do you appreciate that? Or you don't really care? You're just there to call the game. Oh, I'm there just to look out for number one. And I don't even talk to anybody up there. I say, shut up. (laughs) I'm calling the damn game. (laughs) Um, I don't want your bubble gum. Yeah, don't don't give me bubble gum. Uh, Don't look at me. You know, I'm a broadcaster, Jeremiah. You know, I'm a talent. That's what we do. We've got big egos. And we're hard to please. And uh, no, in all seriousness. Um, Doing those traffic reports every morning <laughs> has really gone to your head, Judah. Yeah, man, that Portland Metro traffic. Uh, <laughs> it's something else. No, but in, in all seriousness, I can only joke like that because of the, um, the qualitative level of excellence that we have up there collectively from our video coordinators, I call them, John King and Gannon O'Gorman do an excellent job they run the ship they they are the ones that are bringing us in and out of commercial baker on the facebook live they've made custom graphics they made custom transitions we've done things and layered them on as the season's gone gone on uh caleb jones who does color for us this year a role he never expected having he was just going to run the camera as an intern i gave him a headset and said hey put this on help me out because i'm not sure i could talk the whole time turns out he's a baseball fan, super knowledgeable, really articulate. He fits the the role to a T. Gary Walker is the unsung hero of the press box. Everybody loves No one Gary. gives him a shout-out, but there's no I question. I have shouted out Gary that, and Alex. You, that is awesome. I do appreciate that. Gary works but his butt But there is no question who the most important man in the press box is, and it's Gary Walker. Agreed. How many hats he wears. They named the stadium after him. They named the stadium after him. (laughs) I love that. And it's for good reason, because he's the man, and he always has a positive attitude about him. Stats, live stats, lineups. He prints things out for us. And then Alex Skelton, sound engineer. He is on fire this year with the intro songs, the walk-up songs, the sound effects. We're having a lot of fun, yeah. I'm entertained by him. And then Robert Jones, you know Robert, he, he just does his thing, and it's a special group up there, and I'm in year two. It was a special group last year. Um, different faces next to me this year, but super talented and uh, the kind of guys that you want to be around. Yeah, absolutely. So, you like you mentioned, it's your second year here with the Pickles. You got bigger goals than uh, being the Pickles guy? What? What's uh, what's a five-year plan? 
Five-year plan is to uh, get a you know major league baseball job, call a couple World Series, and basically retire in five years and get in Cooperstown, where I understand you're going. So yeah, um, no way. So if I'm not there in five years, I'll be a little disappointed. But that makes two of us. <laughs> yeah, that makes I mean, two of us. I'll I'll be patient. I'll give myself six years. All right, at best. Um, I do wanna I do wanna do play-by-play at a high level. Yeah. It's a little interesting, though. I mean, I've got to be honest. Like, you know, you're married, right? Yeah. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a serious relationship now for the first time in my life. It's going super well. But all of a sudden, the thoughts of career trajectory and opportunity have to be, you have to be mindful of life yeah, your situation. Priorities. And priorities I've never, change a little bit. They yeah. do a little bit. And I've never had to marry those two concepts i've sure. always been from a career standpoint thinking about myself and what was in my best interests right because i wasn't attached to anybody now it's a little different and i do think a little bit more big picture i work in sports talk radio during the day right um and i do play-by-play at night and i want to take play-by-play as far as it can take me it's my first love in broadcasting and baseball is yeah. my first love of all the sports so in a sense, it would be my ideal gig would be a major league baseball role. But you know, this is me being transparent. I I do wonder about the practical opportunities sure. there and and what that looks like with broadcasting opportunities in general. Sure. Yeah, yeah it's very similar to uh, stand-up comedy. You know, Jake and I do comedy, and you know, in the beginning, you're like, I'll go anywhere and do anything, and it's it's one of those kind of. Uh, situations you have to be able to say that right right when right. somebody calls you tomorrow and it says hey we yeah. got a single a affiliate yeah we heard you on the internet and yeah. we'd love you know basically what happened to spencer smith yes i mean he was calling a game in texas and now you know he's in he's in the double a yeah right yeah With trenton yep you know and that's how you do it man and and you kind of have you to never have, know what's going to happen you kind of have a de- have a desperation element about you to succeed i think yeah and you can probably speak to this too i sure. mean not to not to make this an interview about you, but I'm just as fascinated by by your development and your trajectory and your past because sure. for as fun as doing well in comedy has to be. I mean, what a rush. There is a there is a background of grinding and failure and trying and not succeeding. Sure. And some tears along the way, I'm sure. I yeah. feel like broadcasting is is uh is similar for me. Like any anytime yeah. you're trying to use a talent to make a living Unless you're just blessed from birth, like a Vince Scully type, or even those people get rejected. Even those I mean, people rejection. get yeah. You know, uh, I still have a day job, and we talked about someone put some quote up on the board during a meeting about you know life is about what you do after with rejection or you know something along yeah. those lines to paraphrase. Sure. And someone threw it to me and was like, "Well, what 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 do you think about this?" And I was like, "I got a lot more. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, how much time you got? Yeah, I got enough time. This, you know, this. I got." Yeah. A whole email folder full of, you know, uh, contests yeah. or uh, comedy festivals yeah. or clubs. They're like, hey, we watched your tape. Thank you very much, but we're not interested, you know. Yep. And broadcasting's got to be similar, you know. And, and luckily, we all have jobs here with the Pickles at Walker Stadium. Very grateful for that. Super fun. You know. I know, I mean, you guys being the on-field uh, hosts. It's a little different. Has, been, has it been different this season? From last year? Yeah. I mean, I should have put that in my similarities and differences. It couldn't be <laughs> more different, but it, it enhances the experience a lot. You know, I mean, I, people are walking out there like, man, can you believe how funny those guys were, whether it's yourself or Jake or both of you? We're having um, a lot of fun. You guys, It sounds like it. It comes across the mic, too. Some really old guy told me I was way too loud and that he can't talk to the person next to him. Yeah. He's too loud. And I was like, well. Oh. Not a P1. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe go to a Salem Volcanoes game. I'm sure it'll be nice and quiet. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you, sir. I mean, yeah. he was really old. Yeah. Uh, not to, just saying. Just yeah. being honest. Talking. And I At was, least 70. I was literally in the middle of the 50-50 raffle reading it, and he's like, you didn't realize how, old, how loud you are. And I was like, yeah, they gave me a microphone for a reason, sir. That's I don't right. know. I don't know what to tell you. But, yeah, yeah. We, we have a lot of fun. It's one of those weird things. What do you, what do you do, right? Right. How does this? Can't please everybody. Right. You know, can't please everybody. But you got to do what you're best at and what, you know, ownership, you know, wants you to do and and asks you to do. And 
I think how much is it? It's no it's no accident that the experience at this ballpark is just qualitatively better than any road ballpark I've been. Now I haven't been to Victoria. I know Victoria is really good too, but the, the experience at Walker Stadium, it's just second to none, man. I mean, what we have is special. It's unique. We tried to pin Rob Nyer down on that. Yeah, I heard. I, excellent interview with Rob, by the way. That was fun. That was a lot of fun to listen to. And just like you, we, we our level of guests has gone up so much this season that there are a lot of professional interviewers or radio personalities or yeah. TV personalities, yeah. and they all try to interview us. Yeah. Every single well, person we've interviewed this year yeah. has sort of been like, well, why don't you why don't yeah. you answer some I, questions? Karelovich did that. Yeah. Joe and Lacey did that. Yeah. Rob did that. But you know what that means? And I, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, but it means you guys are interesting. Your stories yeah. are interesting. I'd like to. I know you have all your segments, you know, lined up, but I'd I'd love to learn more of your guys' stories as well. well yeah, and how you guys even met? Like, how do you get connected with Jake and do something like this? And and now you've got a, a friendship that definitely manifests over the public address and definitely manifest on Brian time. I love it. It's yeah. so good. I actually thought about that. I was like, you know, a lot of the good talk radio, there's like conflict, right? You listen to a lot of local guys. Like I'm a big, like uh prime time, Isaac and Souk, you know, like why, they, they why kind of, it's, it, it's by direct competition, Jeremiah, you know, I'm competing against those guys, uh, but who's, I will agree. You know, they, they're really good. But even on like the major ones, right? There's yeah. like, the syndicated ones, I feel like there's like conflict where it's like they don't always get along. They don't agree about everything all the time. Yeah. And it's like Jake and I are such good friends. Where we're just like, yeah, we just have the same opinion about so many things. <laughs> I'm like, maybe we should call each other idiots more. You know, like maybe we should fight more. Yeah. Maybe this would be better. I don't know. Every but, pickle is a double A. Yeah. You I know. We have been disagreeing yeah. more and more on the pickles, actually. Yeah. The actual flavored pickles were not. Yeah. We're not in love with, but a little friendly conflict definitely makes for the best yeah. segments for sure. Yeah. Well, we're gonna wrap this up. I appreciate your time, Judah. The party deck's getting a little too partyish. <laughs> you know, everyone's having a good time. I don't know what they're watching over there. Sounds National good. Lampoons. Yeah. Something. But uh, National Lampoons. That's that's a whole other podcast. It is. But thanks for taking the time to talk to us. We appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, and great great working with you this summer. You guys are big time. I mean, you keep growing. The the pictures are laminated in the ballpark now for y'all. Oh, yeah. I did I that. Mean, I did that. Don't that tell is... the people at my real job. They're right. Like, Wasting company <laughs> supplies. Hey, been there, my friend. That's how you do it. Shouldn't have put the laminator where we could find it. That's All right. right. It's that's my that's fault. your own problem. But... Returning awesome. guest, man. I'm, I'm blessed to do yeah, this. Yeah, second and, uh, one ever. It's you and Max. That's it. And is that it? That's it. Wow. Well, have me on whenever you want, man. Thanks, buddy. It's fun yeah. as always. Time now, everybody, for Midflix. The Midflix. We do this little song. Midflix, talking about baseball movies. Yeah. We just ripped off. You know, we just ripped it off. Anyways, uh, this week, we, Joe and I are talking about Field of Dreams. Cla- I mean, honestly, when you're talking baseball movies, it's canon. It's just one of the classics. It's like, uh, you know, like the four horsemen of metal. It's like Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, and Megadeth. I feel like Field of Dreams is one of those four pillars. You know, it's just... Of it, sports movies? Of baseball movies. Okay. Of baseball. I mean, I don't know. What would you say? Field of Dreams is just, I mean, if you build it, it will, they will come. Like, that's such a classic line. They've, like, so many people have spoofed that line. I don't know. It's it's a great movie. I, I really enjoy watching it. Yeah. But it's not really that fun. It's not a fun movie. It's a good movie. It makes you think. Yeah. You want to call your pop and have a catch. You but do. But it's not as fun as Bull Durham. No. Another Costner. No, no, no. It's not. It's not at all. But I, it's not supposed to be. It's Correct. not like it's like, oh, wow, this was supposed to be a funny time. Yeah, it's like yeah. a Capra-esque kind of thing. It was, it's philosophical. Indeed. You know, it's spiritual. I enjoy it. It's um, baseball as religion, basically. <laughs> it It is. Like, I'm not a, a huge Kevin Costner fan unless he's in sports movies. I think he's great in this, Bull Durham and Tin Cup. Yeah. Otherwise, I can kind of take or leave my Costner. Um, you're, I, not, you're not a Dances Wolves guy? Waterworld. Keep going. <laughs> uh, what other Coster flicks are there? He's in everything. Like he's Open in range. Open Range. It's a Western that he oh, directed. Wow. Okay. Is, is it? I've never seen it. Okay. Costner's fine. I I really like him in this movie. Although, out of the th- okay, here's the Costner 
it's like a triangle of Costner, Bill Paxton, and Dennis Quaid. And I feel like those three can be <laughs> like circulated in roles because they kind of like Dennis Quaid did a baseball movie. He's the rookie. He's the rookie. Yeah. So he I'd never seen that actually either. Is that good? Uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, so neither. It's, it's, it's fine. Okay. You haven't seen it, though. <laughs> no. So you're judging it. <laughs> yeah, it's like Dennis Quaid's a pitcher. I, he's old. It's, he's old, it's a Disney he, movie. I right. get it. Yeah. It's probably good. It's probably good. It probably ends heartwarmingly somehow. Of course it does. Yeah. But Field of Dreams, yes. I mean... I enjoy Field of Dreams. Do you? Do you? Let's just start there. Do you? No, like no, this no. Movie? If it's on, it's like a movie that I will watch. Okay. I really like it. I love the road trip aspect of it. I love the leaving your wife and child alone on a farm aspect of it. I love that part. <laughs> Nothing gets me going more than a man leaving his responsibilities for his dreams. Okay. Because as a stand-up comedian, I know I will have to do that at some point. So there's just I love art validating my future life choices. His wife goes, "You got to do this." Really, she doesn't put up a lot of fight. She's just like, oh, you gotta go. You heard a weird voice in your. They are schizophrenic, is well, what happens. I think because she has a dream and he has a dream, and then she goes, "Get in that van," and then they just do it. Like that's awesome. I think part of that has to do with, and they make like a point of this in the movie of establishing, like, okay, these are ex hippies. Yes. So if they hear voices and they want to destroy their only source of income to build this baseball field because of faith. Or like spirituality, right? Those are the two that are going to do it. So I think that's why she is so supportive and like, all right, Ray, I don't know. And they the brother is like yelling at her the whole yeah, time. Yeah, her banker brother, your real estate, you're gonna lose the farm. And then you, and then the daughter chokes on the duh, and then Doc has to come across the line, and we he misses out, but he got you know the moment of his life. I mean. It was a vicious acid flashback is what that movie was for those people. And they somehow, I mean, it's really kind of crazy because at the end, it's like there's that crazy line of cars to what? I mean, that's like, that would be like, because if I showed up, I'd be like, oh, this is like a Civil War reenactment, but for baseball, that's what you've hired. You've hired a bunch of baseball actors to yeah. play in a cornfield in Iowa. Great, great point, because if... if the ghost of Shoeless Joe Jackson walked into the studio right now and said, I'm Joe Jackson. We're like, no, you're just a dude in an old White Sox uniform. Right, because... He wouldn't know what he looks like. Exactly, and Costner saw them appear from the field, so he knows their ghost. But everybody else is just like, all right, these are... You're telling me this is actually Shoeless <laughs> Joe? Like, they would be like, I want my money back. You never see that the people demanding a refund from Field of Dreams. You never see the unhappy customers. You have to imagine they're going to do some ghost stuff. Like, okay, now wait, I know you're not convinced right. that she'll... Watch when they disappear into the cornfield. Exactly. And then if you still want a refund, right. you can have it. It's creepy. Like, if this was happening, the government would shut down this field immediately. They'd be like, <laughs> oh, this is evidence of the paranormal. No, you, you, I'm not going to give this to Kevin Costner. I really love the scene where she fights the... Uh, the like the conservative Christian yes. late. That's like one of the best scenes in the movie when she's the PTA meeting with the band I book. I love that. That's the best. And it's so it's just like she's a badass. She's just like this is a great book. It's talking about anti-war. And that at also- least my husband didn't play. You know that <laughs> at least my husband didn't plow down his car in the middle of and she's like, "You want to go? You want to go?" And then she's, "Oh, it's great." And that also establishes her as tough but supportive. You know, yes. she's not a pushover. She just believes in the dream more than anything right. else. I mean, he's kind of the softy in the. I mean, he's just, like, "Hey, come on, don't, yeah, don't, like, uh-huh. don't ruffle any feathers." When it's like, "Dude, you plowed the corn. I get to also be crazy now. <laughs> like, you don't get to tell me not to yell at." You know, this is much less crazy than destroying our lives systematically. Exactly, like you've done. Yes, we have no money. I just <laughs> stood up for a book. <laughs> That's what, like you understand that our daughter will be in a potato sack as her only form of clothing, and I stood up to Sarah Palin. That's what I did. <laughs> That's what I did. No, field and James. Or anytime you get James in a movie, there's like that voice. Like he could just be. He could be reading Mind Confident and be like, that is a great God, I love that, you know? He has he has a lot of great lines in this movie. I was surprised because I actually rewatched this probably about six months ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh, did James Earl Jones win an Oscar for this? He wasn't even nominated. Like, isn't that a classic supporting performance role? The little speeches that he has, right. the moments, just all the one-liners where, you know, Kevin Costner first shows up at his apartment and he's like, oh, you're a hippie. And he slams yeah. the door in his face. Like, all that stuff is fantastic. It's great. And then uh, he gets on board, he comes. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know. And he's man. like, what do you want? And he gives the whole speech about it. I want people to leave me alone. And he's right. like, no, what do you want? Beer and a dog. 
It's like it's so great. It's great. You came three thousand miles to take me to a baseball game. <laughs> like it's just so yeah. good. Yeah, it's not great. as good as our James Earl Jones impressions, but no. it's still pretty good. Anytime you try to do an impression of James Earl Jones, you sound hack. It's imp- almost impossible. I mean, only like Jay Farrell maybe could do it, but I am not him. Okay. I mean, I think you just got to try to do a Darth Vader voice. Yeah. And just say that that's the James Earl impression. Right. Boy, wasn't that, if you were a racist Star Wars fan. <laughs> what a tough find that is. Like, what? Gosh. Because he's all like white and wh- you yeah. know, but then you're like, wait a minute, it's, that's not the guy's voice? <laughs> that's insane. What a move. The uh, other casting in this movie I want to get your take on. Do you ever feel like you're looking at Joe Jackson or do you feel like you're looking at uh, Ray Liotta the whole time? You ever lose yourself in Joe Jackson in this movie? Well, it's weird because Ray Liotta's face really puffed up after this movie. Like, he was pretty thin. He looks like such a smaller guy in this movie. And then all his other roles, I feel like his head is three times the size. Even Goodfellas, which came out a year after this. Doesn't he look kind of just puffed up? And yeah. He's like... Like, I really feel like that was the one role I was like, hey, you're like a young guy. Because every other role, he's like, I'm an old man. Like, yeah. I'm a, he's been playing a 55-year-old gangster <laughs> for 30 years. But Shoeless Joe, I feel like, oh, you are like a young right. man. He was like fit. Your face is, you know. you Normal looking. Normal looking. He's got an effortless catch out. One of the scenes, he just kind of shags a fly, and it looks very effortless. But, yeah, I like that ad. Really reintroduced Shoeless Joe to our generation, probably. Because without that movie, like we would have been like, oh, yeah, that guy, I guess he got banned. That made him a real person for a lot of people. Like, oh, this guy, you know, probably got taken down because the team did it. Da-da-da. Also, Hall of Fame, who cares? <laughs> Randall now Googling Ray Liotta pictures in the corner. I love oh, it. Oh, doesn't he always look old? He does. Like, Again, him from Goodfellas still looks kind of old. What do you think about that? No, that's a cool-looking guy. Yeah, he does look cool. Oh, no, that's Chantix right there. Well, now he's he's doing spots for tequila. Yeah. He's like, I only drink 1,800. (laughs) And it's just like, dude, race. The year I was born. (laughs) (laughs) I've been cursed to pitch this tequila till the end of time. No, yeah. Field of Dreams is a good movie. Um, also kind of a tangential movie that I think is kind of forgotten in baseball uh, movie lore. Eight Men Out, which is also about uh, the Black Sox scandal. It is. And in fact, I've never seen that. Is it good? It actually is. And um, it's a little more serious movie, but you got, you know, a lot of the stars of the 80s. Cusack, um, who plays, Charlie Sheen. Who plays Shoeless Joe? Who does the better Shoeless Joe? Is it him in Eight Men Out, whoever it is, or Ray? It's the guy in Eight Men Out I can't remember. Can you Google who is Ray, uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson in Eight Men Out? Because there's a cool scene in that Eight Men Out movie where he's got a candle, and he's has one of his eyes covered, and he's trying to uh, lessen his back. So let's say, I think Shoeless Joe was, uh, let's just say he's a right-handed batter. Yeah. He was trying to basically worsen the vision, in his right eye, so his left eye would be more dominant. Wow. And so that would make him a better hitter. And I was like, Shoeless Joe is intense, dude. Oh, that dude was crazy. Yeah. It was a good movie, though. Um, again, kind of, and it's around that same time period. Like, it's around the Bull Durham, Field yeah. of Dreams kind of baseball movie I come wonder, up. Like, are there, can, what are some modern day baseball movies that are, like, good? Like, yeah, what, what's the best baseball movie of this century? Is there even a good one? Moneyball, I guess, is probably the answer. Moneyball? Yeah. And that's, so, like, dark and hard. Like, I, I feel like, yeah, like, I feel like those, the 90s ones were just, like, they've established themselves as classics. And, like, unless I'm forgetting, like, a major one, I can't think of one in, like, the 2000s that's, like, dude, this is clearly a yeah. baseball classic. There's no Sandlot. No. Dude, well, they made Sandlot 2 and 3. Yeah, just Of stop. course. Why did you do that? What's his name? The Almighty Dollar. D.B. Sweeney. D.B. Sweeney. Is that the same guy who plays uh, Young Doc in Field of Dreams? Oh. Oh. I think it might be. Yeah. Unless I'm wrong. He's in Pulp Fiction. He's in... uh... No, this is someone else. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that guy, Young Doc. But that actor. Okay. He's not in Pulp Fiction either. No. Yeah. Okay, well... He's a guy you kind of recognize, but it's like, eh. I'm going to give it to Ray Liotta because we don't know who D.B. Sweeney is. (laughs) Yeah, Ray Liotta has so many... All right, well, that's good. Well, Ray, tip of the hat to you. Field of Dreams, 
you know, I might watch that tonight. I don't know. I'm feeling Field of Dreams. I now. don't believe that you're going to watch it tonight. I won't. <laughs> I got actually have a show, so I can't. But I will watch it in the next. I don't know. It's a great movie. It is. It makes you feel at home. Like I feel like I'm on a farm. I like watching it. I feel like I'm on a farm. Yeah, it's like you're you're. It's it's got a good bit of nostalgia. There's yeah. like family stuff in there. Exactly. It's good. Father son stuff is right for a young boy. You know, you're just like oh, let's have a catch. Let's have a catch. <laughs> Go pickles. <laughs> Just end on a sad note. Let's have a catch. Let's go pickles. Let's go pickles. Well, that was it, folks. Uh, Brine time. Another one in the can. Joe Simons, thank you so much for coming on, filling Jeremiah's shoes. You did were great. I? You did. It was great. Randall, how'd I do? Oh, a thumbs up from Randall. And that's okay. the hardest thumb because he's almost can't lift it anymore. He's I'm just kidding. No, I'm still no. a lot of work with this thumb. Uh, this has been so much fun. I can't believe it's already over. Well, you know, time flies when you're talking about James Earl Jones. It, it's tough, even though his voice is smooth and slow. Time just flies on by. Um, well, let's just get. Uh, where can people find you on social media, or what do you want to be known? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Simon Says. Uh, it's a lot of golf talk right now. Sorry, we're in the throes of the season, so that's what I'm going to be doing. Because okay. Blazers season's on hold. Uh, Blazers Outsiders still continuing Thursdays, six thirty, NBC Sports Northwest. We got to have you and Jeremiah on soon. Yeah, it'd be great to maybe do a little pickles talk right as the season comes yeah. to a close. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Okay, we'll get you guys on soon. Perfect. Um, you can find Brine Time on Twitter and Instagram at Brine underscore pod. You can listen to it at xraypod.com and anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, if you got something that you want to say that's a bit longer, hit us up on brinetime503 at gmail.com. We want to thank Randall Lawrence here at Cranival Studios. Come to him for all your video and audio recording needs. Yeah, and- real quick. Sorry to interrupt, but. This studio is awesome. Great I got to give you a right? lot of credit, Randall. It's it's beautiful. It's intimate. The AC's pumping right now. Yes, it is a hot day, and I'm very comfortable right. in this upstairs studio. One of the only air conditioning units in this neighborhood because no one else can afford <laughs> one. So uh, it's a great time. Shout out, Randall. Uh, I need it. This is wrecked my life. Yeah, no, his energy bill is insane, and this studio is actually closing down very soon. So, uh, <laughs> but we want to thank Randall here at Cranival. We also want to thank X Ray FM for helping us put this pot out. Uh, they played on the radio as well. I believe it's still the Tuesday. It's either 1 to 2 or 2 to 3 p.m., and you're getting it's right before the new episode comes out. So it's this p.m. Like, what? That's, I mean, right I thought, in the afternoon. When you said 1 to 2, 2 to 3, I was like, he's going to say a.m. No. P.m. Yeah. Prime time. I love it. Prime time, prime time. <laughs> um, and so let's, uh, let me just quick, uh, one last thing is that, so this is coming out Wednesday, whatever that day is. 20, July 24th, the 22nd and 23rd are the All-Star Game. So the 22nd, I believe, is the Home Run Derby, and the 23rd is the All-Star Game. So the Pickles have one representative. Each team just gets one rep for the uh, the Home Run Derby. So that is Connor Wohan. I believe he plays for Clark, Clark Community College, mm. whatever. I'm going to take your word for it. Yes. And then we have two All-Stars. Uh, both pitchers, Titus Groningwig of Cal State Fullerton and then Connor Thurman of San Diego. So both those guys are representing the Pickles. Great job for doing that. I'm both. calling it out. Kyle Manzardo, snub. Batting yeah. 300, yeah. second in the league in doubles. Yep. I was looking up his stats. Those are all-star numbers. Yeah, those are very all-star numbers. Corvallis, uh, once again, has leading. They have like six or seven guys. Get Corvallis out of here, man. I know. It's kind of a bummer. It really is a bummer. I feel, you know, but they got that Nike money, you know? Yeah. They got that Nike money. So, and then <laughs> this comes out on July 24th. That uh, will be a three-game uh, series against the dreaded Corvallis Knights. Shane Brendan just walked in the studio in a, in a Portland Blazer shirt just as we're closing up shop because I have to do my other podcast with him. But I felt a chill behind me, so that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, that's death, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Shane Brendan. Yeah. Uh, um, chocolate death is what we call them. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a weird series, the Corvallis Knights one. It's a home away home. Mm. I don't know why. What happened in the schedule? If they if they're for some reason playing okay seven games or whatever, and they did a ah da da. But anyways, so that's a huge series because the picks gotta win some of those games. We gotta, gotta take w- the series. We gotta take the series. We're gonna make the playoffs. 
So, and then after that, they are on the road against the Wenatchee Apple Sox starting July 27th. Find everything out on PortlandPickles.com. And that has been it, Joe Simons. You're a gentleman and a scholar and a saint. We love you so much. Tip of the cap. Want to thank Marimba Mike for the intro and Dusty Fox for the outro music. To you and to the Pickles. Go Picks. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Light the spark out at Lance Park. Cracking wooden bats, slapping, illuminate the dark. Popcorn, sunflower seeds, PDX and North Precious in the West Coast League. Yeah, Portland, never known to be fickle. Deep in Southeast, that's the home of the pickles. Brian Time, home of the pickles. Brian Time, Brian Time, that's the home of the pickles.